Good morning, and peace be with you. Welcome, Diane. It's nice to have you back. And uh, we're going to have a professional come up here and do the uh, announcements after I make a mess of them. But um, we had, uh, it was Diane's birthday last week on the uh, 15th, and it was Gail Yabuki's birthday on the 13th. So we are, if you're keeping track, we're almost all the way through the month, all the birthdays. We got, I think, two more, uh, three more, three more. Oh, and then also uh, Teresa and Jeff. So are they in there too? Um, not yet? Next week. So they are not only been married for, to each other for an awful long time, their birthdays are on the exact same day. So that's, that's, and so remember all of our birthday people in your prayers. And um, I think without further ado, we'll get started. Bob, will you come up and let us know what we need to know? Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Good morning. Um, there are a couple more birthdays uh, coming up, and uh, the one of them, uh, well, actually two of them, will be before next week. So um, it's Kenny Buki on November 20th and Lee Lyberg on uh, the 25th. So we want to get those guys in before next week. All right. Um, for missions this month, we are going to send our financial support to uh, LCMC. And of course, the question is who, <laughs> my wife asks this one once in a while, who is LCMC? And uh, I'm going to read straight from the book here. We are an association of congregations who are free in Christ, accountable to one another, and rooted in the scriptures and the Lutheran confessions. We are all working together to fulfill Christ's great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. The LCMC certified the ordination and calling of Pastor Ken. So we're grateful for that. Um, and as always, on Tuesdays, we have the Sit and Be Fit at 10, and Bible study on Tuesdays at noon, and the Men's Bible Study, uh, which I'm a proud participant, is on Saturday at uh, 8 and over in Pastor's office. Um, on page 5, I guess there's, there's, of your bulletin, there's a bunch of people who need, um, who, who need, um, prayer. Uh, I know that uh, I'm, a, I'm a beneficiary of that, so uh, <laughs> it's something to really consider. And most importantly, uh, last but not least, um, worship assistance. I know we, we, we ask all the time. There's a lot of people that work very, very hard, and, and we all do our part. But if you can think of someone or, or yourself who uh, can do more in the volunteer capacity, especially in fellowship, It'd really be appreciated. And that's all for this week. Thank you.
Will you please stand if you're able? We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you, and for his sake he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia.
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, you have given exceedingly great and precious promises to those who trust in you. Dispel from us the works of darkness and grant us to live in the light of your Son, Jesus Christ, that our faith may never be found wanting through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Uh, it occurs to me that the three readings I have this morning are um, basically warnings that were issued to the people of God anywhere between 2,000 and 2,600 years ago, and they seem to me to be applicable today. The first reading is taken from the book of the prophet Zephaniah, chapter 1, verses 7 through 16. This can be found on page 1463 in the Pew Bible. Now, Zephaniah was forecasting to Judah and Judah's leaders, including um, Jerusalem, God's approaching judgment. He and Jeremiah at the same time had the same message, which came to pass when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem. Zephaniah chapter 1, beginning with the seventh verse. Be silent before the Sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. He has consecrated those he has invited. On the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons, and all those clad in foreign clothes. On that day, I will punish all who avoid stepping on the threshold, who fill the temple of their gods with violence and deceit. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will come up from the fish gate, wailing from the new quarter, and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, you who live in the market district, all your merchants will be wiped out. All who trade with silver will be destroyed. At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps and punish those who are complacent, who are like wine left on its dregs who think, the Lord will do nothing, either good or bad. Their wealth will be plundered, their houses demolished. Though they build houses, they will not live in them. Though they plant vineyards, they will not drink the wine. The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly. The cry on the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty warrior shouts his battle cry. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of trouble and ruin, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and blackness, a day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the corner towers. The second reading this morning is Psalm 90 verses 1 through 12, we'll read that responsively, and it's printed in your bulletin on page 6. This psalm was written by Moses while he and the Israelites were wandering around in the desert for 40 years because of their lack of gratitude to God and disobedience. <clears throat> psalm 90, beginning with the first verse. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, Return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has gone by, or like a watch in the night. 
Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set your iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. The epistle this morning is taken from Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And this can be found on page 1840 in the Pew Bible. And Paul is writing to encourage the people of Thessalonica to remain steadfast in faith, even in the face of persecution. First Thessalonians chapter 5, beginning with the first verse. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, peace and safety, Destruction will come on them suddenly, as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness, so this day should surprise you like, should, uh, surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate, and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew from the 25th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our Gospel this morning is from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, and can be found in your Pew Bible on page 1541. Matthew records, Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work, and gained five bags more. So also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags, or in our it's talents, of gold, brought the other five. Master, he said to him, 
You entrusted me with five talents of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man with two talents of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. When the man who had received one talent of gold came, Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. And his master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the talent of gold, so he take the talent of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. When we speak of somebody's special abilities or aptitudes, we often say that they have talent. And that particular meaning of the word talent comes from the parable in today's gospel. Um, the NIV calls it bags, and it really is uh, kind of threw me off there. I apologize for that. Um, but the word talent, as it's used in Scripture, began as a unit of weight, not unlike the word pound. And although no one really knows the exact weight of a talent, I've heard 75 pounds and I've heard 100 pounds. So it's, within a, it's 100 pounds within a couple of dozen. We do know that it was somewhere in that range. And it was a lot of money. When people began using precious metals as currency, the weight of these metals became an important measure of their value. So we know that the British had their pound of sterling, which became the pound sterling, or simply the British pound. And in the first century Middle East, people measured their precious metals in talents. Since the talent is in the 75 to 100 pound range of weight, a talent of silver was a significant sum of cash. And a talent of gold, 100 pounds of gold, was beyond most people's imaginations. And in the parable of today's gospel, Jesus used the currency of talents to represent the gifts and abilities that God pours out onto his church. It is this representation that gives us the modern-day meaning of the word talent. In today's gospel, 
it continues with Jesus teaching on the Tuesday of the Holy Week. On that day, he taught in the temple until late afternoon or early evening. And then he continued to teach his disciples as they retired to their campsite on the Mount of Olives. You'll recall that he had just finished telling the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins that we heard in last week's gospel. And at the end of the parable from last week, he said in Matthew 25, 13, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And Jesus, he tells this parable, this story of the talents, in order to explain what he meant when he told his disciples to watch, to wait for his return. He didn't want the church to climb up on a hill and just look up out of, at the sky and wait. That's not what he was talking about. He didn't want you, he doesn't want me to just go out and just watch. The watchfulness of the church is to be active. Action. And Jesus asked his disciples to imagine a fairly wealthy man as he prepared for a long trip. And as this man prepared to leave, he designated various tasks to his staff of servants. And he wanted them to care for his things while he was away. And Jesus specifically described the tasks given to the three of these servants. The man gave five talents to the first of the three, two talents to the second, and just one talent to the last. And then he left. The first two servants faithfully invested the talents and their master's money doubled. The third servant hid the talent in the ground and waited for the master to return. And when the master returned, he called forth his servants to report on their activities while he was gone. The two faithful servants received a great reward, while the unfaithful servant received a severe penalty. Faithful versus unfaithful. Now, we are actually living out this parable today. The wealthy man who, sent on a, who went on a trip represents Jesus Christ. Jesus left when he ascended into heaven, and he has not yet returned. And before Jesus left, he distributed his wealth to his disciples. He gave his teachings contained in the Bible. We have his sacraments of the baptism and the Lord's Supper. We also have the Holy Spirit, for Jesus said this, it's recorded in John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, in addition to these wonderful riches that he gives the whole church, he also provides people. He provides pastors, teachers, elders, trustees, singers, organists, ushers, cooks, and many, many other talented people to care for the people and the things of his church. Jesus said that this man gave to each of his servants according to his ability. Okay. How does that look? Well, he gave five talents. And the five talents were exactly the right amount for the man who received the five talents. Two talents were exactly the right amount for the man who received the two talents. And one talent, a hundred pounds of gold, 
were exactly the right amount for the man who received the one talent. And so it is with us. So it is with us. Jesus gives each of us the gift that is just right for us. He gives all of us faith. He gives us forgiveness. And he gives us everlasting life. And in addition to that, he gives each of us individual skills that help us care for one another. Now, some of us, some of us can change a light bulb or fix a threshold or take care of ground. Some of us can cook. Some of us have given, been given the gift of hospitality. Some of us are musicians. Some of us know how to give comfort with a hug or a delightful little handmade, homemade card. She's not looking at me. That's a gift. Some of us have special talent for making people feel at home in a strange situation. Have any of you ever felt all alone in a crowded room? Usually the people that have are the ones that will seek those out and come alongside and comfort. Each of us has one or more special talents that the Lord has chosen just for us. He wants us to use them to care for his people, for his church. Now in the parable, two of the servants were faithful and their master's money doubled. And here is one place, there's one place where we sometimes get confused in this parable. We hear that the faithful servants doubled their master's investment. And then we are tempted to believe that we are responsible for the return we produce on God's investment in us. Don't think that. We often forget that there is a great difference between an earthly master and a heavenly master. An earthly master cannot affect the outcome of his servant's faithfulness. The recent plunge in the stock markets and the craziness of our current economy teach us that all too well. If we had to rely on our own wisdom and risk our own resources, we would lose everything. Our Heavenly Father promises the opposite. He has the will and the power to affect the outcome of his investments in our hands. Our return in the spiritual world depends on God. The risk is his, and the gain will be according to his infinite knowledge and his perfect wisdom. A really good illustration to what I just said is found in the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus blesses a few dinner rolls and a couple of sardines, right? And then he gives them to the disciples. And with these few resources, well, they multiplied in the disciples' hands until 5,000 men ate and were satisfied along with the women and the children who were there. Do you suppose that a single disciple thought that he was responsible for multiplying that food while it was in his hands? No. And even so, we often forget that God is responsible for the return on his investment in us. It's his fault. It's his good pleasure. This is one reason that we often act like the unfaithful servant. 
It wasn't that he abused his master's money, the unfaithful servant. He, he, he didn't go out gambling, and he didn't go out and spend it on women and wine and drunkenness and gluttony or any of the other stuff. It wasn't that he, what he did with the money that got him into trouble. It's what he didn't do. He was afraid that if he invested the master's money that he would lose it. And so we are too sometimes afraid. We forget that the risk belongs to God and not to us. In our fear, we become like the third servant. We are satisfied to be pew potatoes. We are satisfied to let somebody else do the prayers or let somebody else do this because I'm no good at it. We are satisfied to show up for an hour or so every week and then go home thinking that we have done our duty. And meanwhile, those God-given skills lie rusty and dusty through disuse. When we remember only the law, when we remember only the law, we imitate the third servant. And that makes us hypocrites. We may think we know Jesus, but our ideas are incomplete. We only see the impossible standard of Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount when he says, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is not a challenge for us. That is a statement that has been done through him. But we read that and we, what else can we do but join the unfaithful servant and say, well, the master I know is a hard man, so I was afraid. He's just, you know, this isn't for me. And in our fear, our gifts grow stale through disuse, and our relationship with God remains broken, and hell remains our future home if we know nothing but the law. When God blesses us with the gospel, we become like those two faithful servants. We approach our Lord with confidence instead of fear. While we know about the law, we look beyond it to the gospel. We know that we cannot rely on ourselves, but we can rely on the one who went to the cross. The Holy Spirit has planted faith in our hearts, all of our hearts, so that we have a new relationship of love and trust in the Savior. We see that he is not hard. On the contrary, contrary we see he is a, well, we see he is the first faithful servant the one who empowers all those who are not faithful. He is the one who set aside his glory and lived on this earth under the authority of the law, and he kept it perfectly. And in spite of his perfection, he remained faithful to his Father's plan, and he endured the full wrath of God against our sins as he hung on the cross, his faithfulness unto death conquered death. His resurrection proclaimed his victory, and in his faithfulness, he created a new path through death, a path that leads to eternal life. So who then are the faithful servants? Well, the first faithful servant is Jesus Christ himself, who was faithful even unto death on the cross. And by his work on the cross, he makes us his faithful servants. And he entrusts us the gifts that he gives to us. And because he was faithful, we no longer imitate that third unfaithful servant. Instead, we are confident as we come forward for his judgment. 
We know that he loves us and has already provided everything that we need for our salvation. And those of us who trust him will, before, will appear before Jesus on the day of judgment. We will appear before Jesus on the day of judgment where we will hear these words. Listen to me. We will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please stand if you're able. <clears throat> Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed, found on page three of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. 
Amen. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, God Almighty, we humbly come before you as your children. We thank you for your presence in our lives. I pray that you would bless each person here and meet us at our point of need. I pray that you would refresh us, renew us, transform us in our thoughts, our burdens, our worries, our heartache, our pain, our sin, and I pray that you would heal the places that hurt and need your healing. I pray that you would heal your church, Lord. I pray that you would give us a desire and a hunger for your word. I pray that you would empower us to use the gifts and talents that you created in us to bless others with for your glory. We thank you that it's never too late to be used by you in a powerful way when we cannot do anything apart from you. Let your light shine in us, Lord. Lord, we know that you desire for all to be saved. You love the world so much that you sent your son Jesus to die for our sins. Lord, we lift up our family and friends who don't know you but need you in their lives. Lord, we lift up innocent babies and children and ask that you send your hedge of protection around them. Cover their eyes and their ears from the harmful effects of this sinful world in Jesus' name. Lord, as the holiday seasons approach, our hearts ache for those who don't have family or friends or warmth or food, and we're grateful for all that you have provided us with. And we ask that you send your love your peace, your comfort to those in need. And it's in your holy name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made for the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave, and by his glorious resurrection, he opened to us the way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. Then he gave it to his disciples, saying, take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the perfect prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. I'm looking out at a group of talented people that have been uniquely blessed, each one of us. Nobody got shortchanged on this one. And so I'm grateful to you. And Jesus has prepared this meal for us, this foretaste of the feast to come by his blood, by his body, broken and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. It is a means of grace that covers you and rescues you from sin, death, and the devil. If that is your confession, then come. The table is prepared. The usher will bring you forward.
Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our closing hymn um, is, the words are printed on the back, and I have to say, I don't know how this goes, Diane, so you have to be gentle to us, okay?